welcome to That Wellness Podcast with Natalie Deering. I'm sitting here today with Leslie Petrick. Leslie is a licensed clinical mental health counselor and supervisor, board certified coach, certified IFS therapist, and IFS lead trainer. She is the director of the Stone Center for Counseling and Leadership, where she and her team served children, individuals, and families in Charlotte, North Carolina until 2021 when she transitioned her practice online. Her specialized training in sand tray therapy, play therapy, and marriage and family therapy serve her well as she works with those who are dealing with grief and loss, depression, anxiety, trauma, adjustment, and relational challenges. She also wrote a chapter in the All Together Us book called IFS and Santray, Externalizing Parts for Insight and Healing. Welcome, Leslie, to the podcast. Thank you. Great to be here. Yeah. I'm really, yeah, I'm excited to be talking with you today. We were just chatting before I hit record, and I reminded you in the midst of all of your training experience that you were one of the trainers in my level one experience, and we were just laughing because- yeah, I feel like every time I'm talking to another IFS trainer, you all are like, wait, when was this one? And yeah. <laughs> was it was it with this this person? And you all do yeah. so many. You do yeah. so many. They tend and to you, blur together for sure. Yeah. yeah. They blur together. And you all do such great work. And no, so thank you. Really, my level one with you know, you and Ann Cinco was so amazing and obviously laid the foundation mm. for my continued study and work so far. Mm. So thank you I for that. Hearing that. Yeah. I love hearing. That. That's why I keep doing it because, you know, it trickles out into the world and I love that. Yeah. yeah. And you wrote a chapter in Altogether Us about Santray, which <laughs> I'm like, parts of me are really just curious about the use of Santray, mm-hmm. especially in the therapy room. I'm a therapist and I work with clients and I use IFS. And so in the midst of our conversation, I'm going to probably just be asking you some other questions about, uh, you know, how this can be used both in a therapy setting, maybe also just for people on their own to get in connection with parts. And I have mine actually sitting right here. I don't think you can see it, but (laughs) I was like, I'm going to get my sand tray and have my little, little, I have a very small collection of figurines. Yeah. Nice. Very small. I love that. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited for listeners to learn about what Santre is, how we can weave that with IFS. Yeah. Because I think it's fascinating. Yeah. And they go so well together. Yeah. yeah. So my first question though for you is, because I love to ask people this question when I know they're involved in IFS, is yeah. how did you get connected with IFS? How did that happen? Yeah, kind of a funny story. So a colleague and I, um, uh, one of the other therapists in my practice who actually was um, a co-director with me for a number of years, decided that we were going to go to Cape Cod to get CEUs and kind of have a little mini vacation while getting CEUs. And so we decided, I I had heard about IFS through some other colleagues years before that. And I was like, this sounds intriguing. Let's go, let's go do this one. And so we agreed and went to Cape Cod and had probably um, one of the most memorable weeks of my life, because as most people know, when you're introduced to the concepts of IFS and parts, 
your system can get a little bit overwhelmed. And so I call it, um, excuse my French, but it was a week of my, of my part shit show. And, um, I, you know, it was, it was not a vacation at all. The yeah. way <laughs> Um, but that started my journey. And I, you know, I talked to Dick and said, I need an IFS therapist. Um, do you know any in Charlotte? And he did. And I started working with an IFS therapist. And a few months later, there was a training in Asheville. And so, um, you know, all of the timing, everything just aligned. And I mm-hmm. did my level one. And then I probably six months after that, or eight months started my level two, there was another one in Asheville. And then I got to do, uh, back when Dick was doing level three on the Cape, got to go mm. to Cape Cod again. So kind of full circle but yeah. in place and do my level three. So that that's amazing. Kind of my journey. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. You mentioning your part shit show. It reminded yeah. me of in our level one training, you and Anne kind of gave us all the warning. Uh-huh. And like that first day or at the end of the first day. And I, I this has always stuck with me because it was true. Yeah. It was either you or Anne said you may have like a popcorning of parts uh-huh. that just start popping up <laughs> yeah. because you're, you're doing this deep work by turning yeah. in and oh my gosh, that first weekend of the training yeah. was so activating in my mind. Yeah. I mean, I was yeah. dreaming in parts which was fast. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like wow. it was, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Cause I had been kind of prepping myself leading up to the official level one training by taking like all the Pezzy trainings and, yeah. you know, some of the other ones that I could find reading the books, looking at the workbooks, things like that, but there's nothing like doing it. That's right. <laughs> right. It's totally different when you read about it versus when you experience it. It's a totally different experience. That's right completely. And you so, can't explain yeah. that to anybody, right? They no. they just have to experience it for themselves. Yeah. Right. So the, I, I, I've been, I've used that, that term popcorning of parts with even clients that might be coming yeah. to me and have never done this, you know, just yeah. kind of let them know, like, this is normal. That's right. And we'll, we'll turn towards it. And yeah, but yeah, so I totally get your experience yeah. <laughs> that you had. Yeah going to Cape Cod. Yeah. And so then were you already doing sand tray therapy before you learned about IFS? I was. So I um, had the privilege of being mentored by Dr. Linda Homeyer, who has written a number of books on sand tray. And she was one of the professors in my program in my graduate program. Oh, wow. I studied under her um, and, you know, she's obviously a huge sand tray enthusiast and it caught on, I caught the bug. And um, so I actually did my master's thesis. Our program did not require a thesis, but I decided that I wanted to do a master's thesis because I had decided by then I probably wasn't going to go on to get my PhD, which I had originally thought I would. And I said, I think doing a master's thesis will scratch that itch. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did one on sand tray. And mm-hmm. so yeah, studied under her, you know, learned so much by doing my master's thesis and spent years and years collecting, you know, all of my miniatures. I, I spent a lot of time on weekends going to garage sales and, you know, everywhere I went, I would find little things to add to my collection. So started in graduate school. That's amazing. And so then was it a smooth transition 
of incorporating IFS and Santrade together for you? Because I know sometimes it can feel, at least for me, I, I've I've shared on here that it was it's been kind of a it's been an experience over a couple of years, kind of incorporating some of the things I had been doing before. Sure. Yeah, sure. And I don't know how that felt for you or if it felt kind of smooth. It was pretty easy. You know, to be honest, I was working primarily with kids back then. Mm-hmm. And so, um, sand tray, I, I incorporated a wet and a dry sand tray into my playroom. And so I had a playroom also with, you know, a sand tray and a wall full of miniatures. And so really all it changed for me in working with kids was, oh, now I'm looking at these sand trays that they're creating through the, through the lens of parts. Right. And it was so fascinating. Like, you know, I have thousands of pictures of sand trays and because I always took a picture with, with the kiddos permission. And then as I started working more and more, I kind of started shifting working with adults. I started using it with adults too, especially folks who have a hard time going inside mm-hmm. or getting out of their head and dropping into their heart. Sand tray is just like a natural, you know, doorway in. And so I just started experimenting and, you know, really found it to be super easy. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. And I guess this would be a great time then go into, because there might be some people listening who have no idea what Sandra is and they're sitting here right now being like, what are they talking about? Yeah. Can can you give some description about, yeah, what is Sandra? Yeah. So Sandra is the use of you know, a a rectangle box that is painted blue on the bottom and the sides to represent um, the sky and water. And the dimensions, I think originally were something like 19 and I actually wrote this down, um, 19 and three quarter or 19 and a half by 28 and a half by 2.75 height. Uh Uh-huh. The now sand trays are pretty much 20 by 30 and three mm-hmm. inches um, high. I'm sure the other, the old ones, I'm sure some people use the old dimensions. And then, so it's the use, and, and then you fill it about halfway full with sand. And then um, miniatures that are of all different categories. And there's a list actually in my chapter kind of gave a list of, of the different categories that you, so you're not just pulling any little miniatures, right. To, to put in your playroom, just like in a play therapy room, you don't just put any toys. There's an intentionality and it's to try to help kids and clients represent and, and evoke, you know, emotions that need to be represented. So, uh, it's all very intentional in terms of how it's set up, even down to the order in which, the categories are placed on the shelves. Oh, wow. I I didn't know that. Yeah. So like the aggressive or kind of the more dark, um, you know, like if you have ghosts or the three-headed dog that a lot of my clients like, you know, those are kind of on the bottom Mm. kind of grouped together. And then the, the kind of zoo animals and domestic animals and all of that are are more on, uh, on eyesight. So yeah, there's intentionality around all of that. What is the intention with putting more of the darker energy, maybe ones more towards the bottom? Yeah. 
So I think that you you want kids to explore the shelves and to not have like an immediate, you know, kind of negative mm-hmm. emotional reaction. And I just, I think it feels less threatening. Yeah. If, if kind of tucked away and they're not tucked away, they're still on the shelves, but they're just not right at your eye level as mm-hmm. soon as you walk in and are exploring the shelves. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. It makes yeah. me think just now a part of me was like, oh, it's, it might have nothing to do with this, no connection, but kind of like that industrial organizational psychology mindset of just kind of being aware of the placement of, yeah. of maybe these categories in terms of eyesight and eye level. And that's right. That's really interesting. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know that part about it. And yeah, I do think it's, it's neat that the box mine included is blue. And you said that can represent water or the sky Yeah, and it has sand. Yep. And in terms of the purpose and the intention of sand tray, what, what is the purpose and intention with yeah, sand tray? That's a great question. So it's really an expressive and projective modality of psychotherapy. So it really allows the, you know, as children are picking and choosing, or even adult clients picking and choosing the miniatures, there's this unfolding that's happening. Um, so it's a very, it's an unconscious process for many, for most, and it's, it can be used as a nonverbal kind of way to work with clients. So if you have clients that have a hard time talking about their feelings or talking, and, you know, when I worked with kiddos, I always had a, an art table as well. And there were some kids who loved art doing art. Right. And then there are others who are really self-conscious and don't feel like they can. And so, you know, that they're artistic. Um, and so Santre is a great modality where you don't have to be artistic. You know, mm. you, you just, you pick the miniatures that speak to you and create a scene in the tray. And I will say adolescents really took to Santre. They really loved it. That's neat. And yeah, and again, it, it's, it doesn't require anything verbal. You can do an entire session completely nonverbal. Right. The other yeah. thing that I appreciated you mentioning in the chapter was you talked about how Santre and IFS access the limbic system part of the brain, That's which right. is where, you know, trauma is typically held, not right. in the frontal cortex, which is more of like our rational and thinking part That's of the right. brain, which might be activated when we're doing more traditional talk therapy. That's right. And it can be harder to access the the trauma or the stressors that are there. Exactly. Yeah. We can't get there maybe verbally. And so I really appreciated you bringing that up because that made a lot of sense to me looking at it from that, that brain perspective of, oh yeah, like we can use these, these figurines, these objects, the sand imagination to, to tap into that stuff that is in there within us, but maybe can't be verbally expressed. Yeah, that's right. And here's the interesting thing that I saw for kiddos who had pretty significant trauma right? Sexual abuse, physical abuse. They tended to be one extreme or the other. They either avoided the sand tray because the kinesthetic feeling of it felt too overwhelming for their system. Or they really got in there and like buried their hands and did a lot of play without even using the miniatures. 
Mm. Also in the, in the wet sand tray, you know, just like making clumps and like, you know, kind of using. So it, it, it was always fascinating to me to kind of see which kiddos avoided didn't like the feel of the sand or, you know, would say something like, Ooh, you know, I don't like that. And I think that can be a sensory thing too, but Mm -hmm. I think with trauma, we know there are often sensory, sensory related issues. And so, so yeah, it was really fascinating to see how different, different kiddos approached it and then, you know, kind of used the sand. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many sessions I had with little ones just spending the entire time just, you know, pushing the sand away around in the sand tray and burying their hands and sifting through their hands. There's something just really soothing and, and settling about that, you know? What would you say is happening within someone's system when they are maybe just spending a lot of time in silence? just kind of running their fingers through the sand, whether it has water or not. Yeah. What do you think think is happening? I think it's a deep unconscious processing that's happening, you know, and, and I, I wouldn't even be able to be able to, to guess what, I mean, I know that I have sat sometimes and just done that Mm -hmm. and I don't even know what's happening in my system as I'm doing it. You know, I just know that it's regulating and it feels good. So I do think it's kind of a self-regulating, but I also, you know, I talk about in the book how oftentimes kids would get into that, you know, just so intensely that when I did speak and it would be a very nonverbal process. And I oftentimes when that happens, when I see kids dropping down in, in that intense way, that really deep connected way, I'm often just holding curiosity and space and not really mm-hmm. saying anything. I might occasionally make a reflection like, you know, that feels really good to your hands and, you know, things like that, but I'm not talking a whole lot. And sometimes children would get so deep into their process that when I would tell them, you know, we've got five minutes left or 10 minutes left in our time, their system would, they would startle because Mm. they were so into their process. So definitely something very deep, you know, and, and I do think unconscious on an unconscious level, um, is happening and they're, they're, processing what they need to, you know, the way they need to. It's very cool. And so in terms of integrating sand tray and IFS, you know, one of the things that I, that stuck out to me in this chapter, but also in, uh, you know, previous training that I've had in terms of um, not so much sand tray specifically, but just externalizing parts. Would you say that that, I mean, that is. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was the thing that was so fascinating and that I so loved after my IFS training was when I started looking back at pictures, I was like, oh my gosh, this, this is just kids and clients just putting their parts right out there, you know? And I always knew it was a really sacred process and that just made it feel even more so like, yeah, they're just putting their internal world right out in front of you. Mm you know, and we just have to really honor and, and treat that with such respect. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And yeah. Cause that's vulnerable. Mm-hmm. That's vulnerable. Sure. That's right. And it's courageous too, you totally. know, to be able yeah. to, to put that out there yeah. for a kid 
you know, they might not have, I don't know, maybe they might not have the conscious awareness in the moment of like, oh, I'm putting this vulnerable thing out there. They might just be doing it because they're connected to it and they're just letting it flow. Uh, well, and here's then, the beautiful yeah. thing about that though, is that I think kids protectors, you know, is, is what shows up first. Mm. So they, it's kind of like we learn in the, in the training that we work from the outside in. Right. right. And so when they start in the first session and create a, a sand tray, oftentimes it's a lot of protectors and, mm-hmm. and it's, you know, pretty evident that, you know, like you can tell by the construction that they've created. Yeah. I know that when I was going through my, my graduate program and, and we would do sand trays, you know, I remember that sometimes I would start building a sand tray and, and not even know what I was building. It was like, I was just picking things that mm-hmm. me in the moment and then it would come together. And I, and then I'd, you know, the person who was facilitating would ask me questions about it. And I'd be like, wow, I had yeah. no idea you know, like I'd uncover something that it represented and I, I would be shocked. Like yeah. I had no idea that I, there was no conscious awareness as I was picking these mm-hmm. things that that's where I was going. So it really is a deep, a deep process. But I also think that our systems, when we respect them and honor them and hold space, they do what they're ready to do when they're ready to do it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And it makes sense that someone would be maybe drawn towards figurines that represent protector parts within right. them first, because yeah, that's the first line in that's terms right. of within our system that we might have full awareness or connection to or blendedness with. That's right. And so the other thing that I love that you talked about in the chapter and what I love about externalizing parts is the unblending that mm-hmm. happens with just picking out a figurine that's right to represent a part that's right yeah yeah and in my chapter I tell a story of you know a woman that I worked with who would have nothing to do with like when I said let's go inside she looked at me like I had two heads yeah and so we went into the you know finally I said how about if we try something a little different you know and she took to it, you know, and it became a really powerful way Mm -hmm. for her to process and to connect with her internal system in a way that didn't feel quite as threatening. Yeah. I think it's fantastic. It's such a creative way Mm -hmm. of inviting that unblending to happen. Like you said, when you're working with someone whose system maybe is not comfortable with the idea of of that turning in, as we would say, like with insight and IFS. And I've had this where I've been working with someone, a client, I work with mainly adults, some teenagers, but mainly 18 and over where same thing systems, maybe not comfortable with the idea of like Mm -hmm. turning in like that. I've invited them to pick a figurine to represent a specific part or, and then like the parts that maybe are in the middle that feel certain ways towards that target part. And Uh what's been interesting has been watching how for some people they might continue to keep their eyes open. Mm-hmm. And like they're needing to look at the figurines. And then I've noticed how maybe for some people over time, as they do that, they they'll then be able to like pick the figurine out, but just hold it and then close yeah. their eyes. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Which I love because it's like, they're feeling the energy of their part. Right. Right. And getting a, a sensation or a sense of it. 
And then oftentimes, you know, my experience would be that they would, they would open their eyes and maybe place it in the tray. And as they're talking about what they were experiencing inside. Mm. Yeah. Really facilitates that, that conversation for folks. Yeah. For adults, particularly who might have a hard time. And what about self? Because I've, I've, I've witnessed this with other people in the IFS community where they will encourage someone to pick out a figurine that can represent their self energy. Is that something that you ever invite? It depends. I, I do sometimes. Yes. And, you know, I'll say something like when you think, and I do this using art too sometimes, but you know, when you think about kind of your higher, wiser inner knower that we all have inside of us, you know, is there anything you feel or see and are the, is there anything here that would, that would represent that, that could represent that in the sand tray? Um, and then oftentimes I'll use that to say, so, so if they, you know, a lot of times it's a heart or a sunbeam or water, or, you know, it's, there's kind of some universal things that show up and the, and I'll have them place it in the sand tray. And then as we go, and this is obviously more with older kids, adolescents, adults, when they're, as they're picking their other parts, I'll ask them to place it in the tray in relation to their self, like, mm-hmm. so how close or far away does it feel to you? Yeah. So it can be spatially, that can be really informative. Mm-hmm. The other thing you mentioned in the chapter was, and I liked that you included pictures of this. You talked about kind of the, the circle yeah. that a lot of times you would, you'll witness with people when they're doing sand tray that yeah. it will literally be like a circle either mm-hmm. into the sand yep, or using, would you say maybe like some sort of objects to create a circle and yeah, you feel so- like that was representing self. A hundred percent. And you know, that was something that kind of unfolded over time that I, that I started noticing was that circles didn't really usually show up in the beginning of therapy. Um, and then as, as you, as I could feel kiddos connecting with their self energy, I would almost start to see half circles, right? Mm. Like cars that were going, that were beginning to form a circle following each other or, you know, kind of a, yeah, some, something that kind of, when you looked at it from above, it just looked like a part of a circle. And then as time would go on, the circles would become more defined. And so I was like, it just dawned on me. I was like, oh my gosh, this is the emergence of self right here in front of me, you know? And so I have so many pictures, you know, representing that, that are so, that are so fascinating and so fun and, and cool to see all the different ways that it shows up. So one of the figures uh, that I loved that often showed up in with self energy was this little wishing well. Mm. It was like a just this little wishing well figure, and people would make a mound or kiddos would make a mound in the center and place it at the top. That was like a repetitive, a repetitive thing that I saw. Interesting. Um, so it was always fascinating just to see you know some of the things that showed up consistently in consistent ways. So yeah. yeah self was represented with, I also had those little gemstones and those oftentimes were, you know, part of that, part of that circle. 
Mm. Yeah. That's very interesting. It really is. Just yeah. to notice just what innately, how it's represented and like so many of us as yeah. humans, just that's yeah, the, right. the circle and, and the well, and that's, that's interesting to me too. Makes me think of water and, you know, wishing and what this right. welcomeness and hope and, and potential. Yeah. Potential. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. cool. So, you know, it sounds like you worked a lot with children. Mm -hmm. I did for many. And now are you, do you incorporate it with adults often in your work? So my work shifted when I was still in person to, um, I, because I had a center and the other therapists that were part of my practice were play therapists as well. And so I began focusing more on working with parents and adults and so eventually my work shifted. It was probably, you know, 50, 50 for a while. And then it kind of became 80, 20 kids. And then it kind of began to shift backwards to where I, it was like 20% kids, 80% adults. So yeah, I, I did, I did use it a lot with my adult clients and, you know, they loved it. It's interesting. Cause I keep mine open and ready to go yeah. next to my therapy couch. And it's funny because I'll have adults come in who I work with for therapy and they'll be like, oh, you work with a lot of kids. And I say, no, <laughs> <laughs> like, no, no I, don't. <laughs> I don't. And actually, this is for you if you yeah. would, you know, like to use it any way you might, you know, find needed. And so, yeah, that's been kind of fun is introducing adults that I work with to this yeah. idea that, yes, it looks like it's for children and it's great for children and it can right. be great for you too. Yeah, that's right. As an yeah. adult. So yeah. I think that's been fun. Yeah. Adults really love it, you know? Yeah. And like I said, adolescents do too. So yeah. Right. Yeah. So I, you know, I'm in my mind, I'm remembering, I used to work at a university at a counseling center. I worked there for 10 years and a, one of the therapists that worked with us, she was trained in, in, uh, in Santre and as a professional development training with us as staff, she introduced us to Santre because none of us on, on staff had any experience with it. Nice. And I'll, I'll never forget that day because she was like, she, we all had access to our own Santre. And I remember she was like, just make something like she was just, yeah. just see what you're you know curious about. And I rem I have these images in my brain and I think I have them on my phone still. Cause she told us to take a picture yeah, of it yeah. at the end. And I remember I just create, I created like two different scenes and then she invited us to just let it be. And then like, we came back to it the next day mm. and then she was like, just notice, mm -hmm. you know, she also did like a, a guided, um, more guided experiential with uh, one of the staff members who volunteered. And that was really fascinating, but I didn't know about Very IFS cool. at the time. Yeah, I, I had no experience with Santre, uh, but now looking back in my memory and looking and kind of remembering what I made. Oh, like you said, it, it holds so much yeah. meaning, Yeah, <laughs> especially right. looking at it in terms of parts now. Yeah, it's like, exactly. Oh, yeah. Yes. Right. I love that. The other thing that I want to say, because I know that there are some people who feel differently about this, but I feel pretty strongly about it. I was trained, um, like I said, by Linda Homeyer and, um, also trained in play therapy and, I don't, I leave the trays, 
right? I don't make kids or clients put their items back before they leave the session. If they want to, and again, this is part of trusting their system and what they need. Like, I think there are some kids who need to put the things back because it's kind of how they, you know, kind of close their system back up and right. so that they're not walking out into the world feeling open, raw and vulnerable. But for kids who don't intrinsically, like they get a 10 minute notice. So they know, you know, kind of if, if you need to put these away, like, you know, now's the time to be able to start doing it. But I do not require kids to clean up afterwards because if you agree with the theory that play is a child's language and the toys they use are their words, mm. we don't make adult clients clean up their words before they leave a session. Mm. Right? And so I'm not going to require that of a kiddo either. Yeah. And I feel pretty strongly about that. So, okay. Yeah. No, thank you for bringing that up because I... Yeah, that makes sense. Especially as you just said that of we don't make adults clean up their words. We wouldn't make a child clean up their words in that same way. If the words are being represented with these figurines. Right. And toys. Oh, that's so interesting. That's right. And yeah. are you saying you feel like there might be some therapists or healers out there that do this or another type that might be like, well, no, I, I disagree. There are some who, yes, believe that you need to have kids clean up before they leave the playroom, okay. um, whether that's their sand tray or toys that they played with. And I just don't agree with that. Yeah. I, yeah. I feel pretty strongly about it. I don't think it's, I, I, again, I trust kids to do what they need to do in their system. And, you know, I worked with a kiddo, gosh, I started working with him when he was three until probably about uh, age 12 off and on over mm -hmm. the years. And I remember one session where he came in and this is more related to play therapy, but this is just an example of why I don't require kids to clean up. And he took all the puppets and threw them over the, over the um, puppet theater. And he needed to be able to do that without having to clean up. Right. Mm -hmm. And he didn't come in and do it week after week. It was just where he was in his process in that moment on that day. And I think there were a lot of reasons why he needed to do it. He had experienced significant trauma and sexual abuse, neglect, all kinds of things. And he just needed to be able to be messy that day, you know, yeah. and me asking him to clean that up, I think would have been, I don't even know the words to put to it, but I just think it would have been intrusive on mm. his process, I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah. So it sounds and, like kind of just being present and just noticing with self-energy. That's right. Whatever it is that the person's bringing. Right. Just like if, if a client comes in and rages or they're, mm -hmm. you know, they have big, strong emotions and they're crying, I'm not going to ask them to tone it down right? right? <laughs> or to clean it up before they leave. And so I just, I just, yeah, I don't believe that we should ask that of kids either. Oh, that makes so much sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's so cool. <laughs> yeah. What I'm thinking is if maybe for some people who are saying you need to clean this up before you leave, maybe that could be coming from parts of them that are connected to their childhood and their parents mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. manager parts, you know, that's that right. have, yeah, that's right. I believe, I believe that's true. And, you know, for some therapists, they're like, oh, that's so hard though, because then I'm going into another session 
And that's when, you know, you make your sessions 50 minutes. I, I always right. did full hour sessions. I just, I just always have, and I always will. And I, you know, if, if they did make a big mess, I might stop five minutes before knowing that I needed to clean up and had another session coming, but clients always understood, you know, when, if I was getting the room ready for the next, for the next person. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I do think it's manager driven. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's so interesting to think about that again, mm-hmm. just kind of noticing what's getting activated within our systems as the guide, as the therapist that's right. and being curious to, Oh, if I'm being a stickler, may have part of me is being a stickler about like, right. no, 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 you need to make sure all this is put back in place. Right. Yeah. Who's saying that? Right. Yeah. yeah. And we also have to check with our systems. Like I remember in graduate school, there, there were people that would talk about how they had clients who would take the glue from the art table and start dumping it into the sand tray. And I was like, oh no, 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 no. Like I, like, I'm not okay with that. Like that would for some reason, like that just crawled all over me. So, you know, I, I had to work with, work with my system and decide where my, where I felt like I needed to draw the line. And so I never had a client try to do that, but I think, you know, I was able to get to a place where, okay, you know, a little bit of glue is not going to kill anybody. And Mm -hmm. We can replace the sand. So I actually started always having sand bags of sand at my office. So if I needed to dump, dump a tray and wash it mm-hmm. out, I could easily do it. Um, yeah. Cause I did have times where kids would put Play-Doh or clay, you know, in the mm-hmm. sand. So yeah. Yeah. You have to work with your own system and see what that's about. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's so important. And I like that you, you mentioned in your chapter two, like the four skills required for a sand tray session using an IFS protocol. But the first skill, number one, is presence. That's right. Where you say a therapist creates a free and protected space that is yeah. self-led. That's right. Because if you're blended as a therapist with, yeah, maybe these manager parts or, you know, other part energy that has good intention, but it can definitely have an impact. It does have an impact. I mean, kids are so... <laughs> They're such good intuitors, you know, they, mm-hmm. and they can tell, like, I remember being in a session with a client one day and he was, he was doing his sand tray. He was all into it. And out of the blue, like in the middle of it, he stopped and he looked up and said, are you not feeling well today, Miss Leslie? Mm. And I was like, you know what? I actually am not, I have a cold. <laughs> so I was like, wow, like he totally, you know, I thought it was doing a good job of faking it and he totally yeah. could, could pick up on it. So just such a, an illustration of how kids really feel it. And not every mm-hmm. kid is going to speak to it. They're just going to, you know, and most kids are just going to internalize it. Like, oh, is she upset with me or have I done something wrong? And that's right. But we have to be really, really um, in tune with our own instrument. Yeah. Yes. And that's what I really love. And one of the things I really love and respect about IFS is Mm -hmm. that clear message of if you're going to be doing this work with other people, you have to be doing this work with you. That's right. (laughs) With yourself. That's right. I love the thing that Ann Cinco says, and I always share this whenever I do a training, because I think it hits home. She says, you know, the more work I do on myself, the better my husband gets. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> right. And so, and I just think that translates so well. It's like the more work we do with our own system, the better therapists we are. Right. Oh, yeah. And, and the better we are able to hold space for other people mm-hmm. in a in a more compassionate way. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. Some of the other things you mentioned in the chapter that I thought was really interesting was other ways you can use Santre and IFS together. Mm-hmm. And one of them was with the genogram. Uh-huh which is something that I've talked about on the podcast with Ann Cinco. We just keep giving Ann a bunch of shout outs on this, yeah, on right, this episode. Right, nice. But she came on here and talked about legacy burdens. Uh-huh. And that's where we talked about the genogram. And I love that you brought it up in terms of using it with figurines in Santre. Cause I had, I was like, oh my gosh, that's a great idea yeah. of yeah. inviting people to mm-hmm. pick. So they're picking a figure out for each of their family members. That's right. Yeah. And, and, and sometimes I'll say, just pick someone, something to represent, you know, each, each person in your family. Um, sometimes I'll say, and again, a lot of times it depends on what, the, you know, what the presenting issue is, why they're there, kind of what I know about the family and the kiddo. Um, I might say, can you pick something that represents your thoughts and feelings towards each person in mm. your family? So you can, you know, you can ask it all different ways and mm-hmm. you don't just have to pick one. I'll say you can pick more than one. Yeah. And so it, yeah, it provides a lot of insight and a lot of information. Yeah. That's really probably not otherwise get right. No, I love that. That's really cool. And you also talk about working with polarizations, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, a big thing when doing IFS, there's Mm going to be polarized parts within our systems. And so picking out figurines to represent each part within that polarization to help bring, um, unblendedness, but also to help distinguish and bring clarity to yeah. that polarization, which is so yeah. powerful. Yeah. I, I once worked with a woman who was trying to decide whether to stay or leave her marriage. And she did one Santre with all the parts around, you know, the decision to stay and then use the other Santre. And sometimes they'll just do it half and half, like one half of the Santre is one and the other is the other. And it, it just uncovered so many beautiful things about, you know, what was happening in her system and the beliefs that they were holding. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we spent probably a good nine months processing all of the parts related that, that she had created in the sand. So it, it really can uncover a lot of really deep information. Yeah. yeah that's so powerful. Again, just to bring clarity to it, yeah. to be able to see it, that's to right. name it. Because otherwise right. it can feel like a jumbled mess That's inside exactly right. the mind. That's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> so if we can like literally see figurines to represent all of these different parts that have these opinions and feelings. That's right. It just helps smooth yeah. that chaos. And, and it helps them not feel so judgmental towards them. Right? right. So just the process of externalizing them. And then getting curious and like, yeah, so this part is helping you in some way. So let's, how's it helping you? You know, what is is it afraid would happen if it wasn't? It's just such a natural, you know, progression and unfolding that happens Mm -hmm. that it really allows for clients to, I think externalizing actually makes it easier for that, for judgmental parts to step back. Yeah, I agree. And last one before we end, because I know you got to get off here, but you mentioned an exercise called now and then, which I really enjoyed as well. And you said 
this also helps people who maybe have trouble going inside. Mm-hmm. And that is to invite them to do one sand tray that represents the world, their world, the way it is today. Mm-hmm. And then the second sand tray represents what they want their world to look like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's interesting. Yeah. I did that with a woman who, she was the one I alluded to earlier, who looked at me like I had two heads when I talked to her about going inside. And so we did a number of sessions, you know, in my office that wasn't my playroom or didn't have the sand trays and we were getting nowhere. Like she was just like spinning in her head. And, and I was like, you know what, I have an idea. Let's, you know, are you open to this? And so, and she was, and so that's how I started was with that. That's how I kind of developed that was with this Mm. particular client. And it was so intriguing to watch her be able to easily then drop in, in a way that she just wasn't able to do just by sitting and talking. Mm. It was fascinating. So, so yeah, yeah, I started using it a lot. Yeah, Yeah. Very neat. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for writing this chapter. It's, it's something that again, I find so interesting using externalization of parts with sand tray and figurines. And it's just a really cool thing to have in our awareness of, oh, if we're having trouble connecting maybe within with having some clarity of what part this is or parts that are present that we can externalize these parts. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's a beautiful, beautiful way to do it. One of my huge passions. So thank you for having me. I always love to come and talk about, I I could talk about Santre all day long. So, yeah. Well, thank you for yeah coming on here and talking about it. Cause yeah, Yeah. I think it's fascinating. I think it's so fascinating and it's so creative. I think that's what I like about it too. It's like, you're using your hands. You get to look at these images and you just really get to yeah, have this different type of relationship with your system Mm -hmm. in this external world yeah, as well as in the internal. That's right. Yeah. And it really is impressive how deep you can go by doing, by externalizing. Right. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Well, thank you. Thank you, Leslie, so much for joining me. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. And I'm excited to be able to work with you as a program assistant on an upcoming yes. level one training that you will be yeah. leading next year, 2024. To that. Yeah. I'm so excited. Thank you so much. Thank you so awesome. much. It was a lot of fun. And I'm yeah, looking forward to seeing you.